Well, good evening, guys. Good to see you. We uh, were actually right in the middle of uh, verse 15 last week, and uh, where we were talking about the uh, the cursing to uh, well the serpent, and I think uh, I probably passed out some outlines or have them out there uh, starting at verse 16, but. Probably what we'll start off with tonight is that uh, that verse 14 and and 15. I mean, uh, I, th- I think that's where we're at. Verse 15 about um, the victory, the victory of uh, Messiah. The, that's that's the good news. This proto evangelium. Anyway, let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and uh, praise you for who you are. What a, an honor it is to be in the midst of your people studying your word. And uh, as we know that you're right in the midst of us, we want your truth to be understood in a way that we have uh, are lacking. Where we are lacking, we want to be able to bring to our mind and uh, to our own lives uh, to apply it. And so that you would uh, give get all the honor and all the glory. And uh, as we are led by your Spirit... We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that uh, famous verse, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Uh, There is where we saw that God is the one who's going to do that. He's going to put the enmity between the woman and uh, and the serpent here, uh, which is actually... uh, we know Satan, and there was going to be a battle from uh, there on out. And uh, it also shows how God is going to protect his uh, line. Uh, he, he'll bruise you on the head. and that, Now that is the Messiah there. He shall bruise you on the head. A, a major head injury. I mean, this is major damage. This is big victory. And you, uh, the serpent, Satan... She'll bruise him on the heel. So where do you want to have an injury at? You want a head injury or do you want a foot injury, right? And uh, anyway, we know the seed of the woman. There's going to be a suffer a suffering there, but it was it was not only the serpent who bruised the seed of the woman, but God Himself dealt um, Christ a dreadful blow. Though we know there's going to be a blow that looks like Christ is going to be. Um, damaged forever. It looks like Satan wins the battle whenever he's taken to the cross. But not only is Satan bruising him, but it's really God in control of this also. Uh, or From the very outset, it's God's plan. But he is going to bring the blow to uh, his son. He's going to pour out his full wrath as he uses Satan and mankind to um, put him on the cross and um, the full wrath against sin upon the person of the Son of God, he uh, is going to bear the guilt. He bore the guilt that didn't belong to him. It was not his sin, not his guilt. And that's the gospel. Good news. He bore our sin as he was on the cross, as God the Father who is totally just demands that the payment be made and the full wrath be put on His Son for us. Good news. 
This is good news. You shall, um, he shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the heel. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 53. And Isaiah is one of the most messianic books in the Old Testament. And uh, I think one of the richest as far as uh, the atonement is concerned, what uh, Christ was going to do as He would suffer for our sins. He's a suffering servant, as he's described in Isaiah 53. Uh, You could pick up in verse 4, for instance, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. And then you uh, go to verse 10, and it shows how God is in control of all of this, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He's going to resurrect. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. What great news. This Isaiah 53 is showing the the atonement that Christ uh, is uh, going to do. Now, this is written 700 years before Christ. And, of course, there were uh, quite... uh, centuries, many centuries, many, many centuries before uh, this was given in a prophecy of our Genesis 3. And uh, this is the detail of part of that, or that good news that was given back in Genesis. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. And, of course, this is speaking of the very justice of God. The, uh, the justice has to be met. The... Um, The wrath of God is to be poured out on him, to crush him. So even though he had given us the news that Satan would bruise bruise him on the heel, and mankind, we see in Acts 2, and we read that last week, it was the predetermined plan that God would do this, that he would use men that would commit that, but it's all under the plan of God. As he crushes him, that's that's an amazing thought of seeing uh, how he is in control of all of this. But yet, men are counted as guilty of killing the Savior, killing the Son, and as Satan is, as uh, he also was in on this, he was planning all this out. But we see how God is in control. Isn't that great? Isn't that great. This is the kind of God we have that he would uh, bring this good news. It's all for us. So you go to, back to 1 Peter, chapter 2.24. And uh, this sounds like our Isaiah passage. And he himself bore our sins. He took those on. He substituted for us, right? We're right at the heart of the Gospel here. In his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Right out of Isaiah. Quotes Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is an incredible passage a prophecy. And here Peter takes that and shows 
that that's how we are dead to sin. We died somehow. In a, it's a mystery, but somehow we died with Christ, as Romans 6 um, brings forth for us. We died with Him there. Even though we weren't there physically, there's another sense where we died with Him as He, as he died there. And, uh, of course, He brings on uh, justification for us. Hebrews, just before Peter, Hebrews 9.28 So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, He bore our sins on the cross. Here, He bears the sins of many. will appear a second time for salvation, the end of salvation, without reference to sin to those who eagerly await Him. Uh, The sin has been paid for. It's been done. He bore our sins there. If He bore them for the elect, did he bear the sins of the ones who were not elect? Did he pay for their sins at the cross? If he did, then there is nothing else that has to be done. Their sins are paid for, and they also will enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that not right? Well, if you think about it, for those who are saved, the complete act was monergistic. Which means, you know, that it was all God. All God. And so, if Christ did die for everyone's sins, then that kind of salvation would take place for all of them, and it wouldn't matter that they didn't choose Him. But so that leads us to understand that He didn't die for everyone's sins. He died for the elect. Right. That's an amazing thing. Why do we say that it was sufficient for It's sufficient in that it would have been, had he wanted to save anybody, or anybody, I mean, there was enough there that that, that could be paid. That's what is, is termed in uh, Reformed theology. It, it is sufficient, but it was efficient only for the elect. And that's really his plan. So the sufficiency is that if he wanted to, to cover for all the world, if you want to take the mass number of people that have ever lived on this world, he could have done that. But here it says he bore the sins of many. Um, and Matthew, uh, he talks about the ransom of the many. Who are the many? It's, it's, uh, that's the ones who, again, have been chosen before the foundation of the world. So really, when the, the sins were bought and paid for, everybody whose sins were bought and paid for, uh, were sacrif- uh, Christ took their place on the cross and they died with Him, as we saw in an earlier passage, right? So we're, we're speaking of what is known as a, a limited atonement. In any way you look at atonement, it's limited in one way or the other. Either it goes all the way across and there are only so many that make it, or it goes halfway across and it stops, and then it's up to people then to... Um, get into the kingdom of heaven by by their choice, by their actions, what they do. Yeah, Bob? Wouldn't a uh, universal atonement for every soul that ever lived nullify uh, the part in verse 15 here, Genesis, uh, speaking of Satan's offspring? Wouldn't that nullify that he had offspring? Between your seed and, and her your seed, seed, right? Yeah, my yeah. version says offspring. But, right, right, that's uh, the same thing. Yeah. Wouldn't that nullify yeah. that, you know, that would like 
overturned. Well, he doesn't have any offspring. Yeah, in light of other scripture, that would just reading that alone would be hard to detect that. But then when we yeah. see all these other scriptures that come in and correlate, I can see yeah what you're saying. And then as Genesis develops, it shows the the godly line or that. And of course, the seed ultimately is who? It's really the Messiah. That that is the seed that comes from the woman ultimately. But there there is Eve who is the progenitor of that and the. We know that uh, when we talk about Mary, um, it's not the seed of Joseph, but it's the seed by the Holy Spirit who conceives, and there we have the seed, so the offspring and such. But he poured out, uh, poured out his wrath upon his son, and uh, he gave all this enough information right here in this little text. And as we have the rest of Scripture, then we can see how all of that that ties in. Um, what about this triumphant victory? What about this victory as uh, we see the head of uh, the enemy being crushed? Go to uh, Romans 16. Sixteen twenty. Now here is um, the ultimate... And, and the culmination of it all, when it will be seen in its fullest. The God of peace, look at this, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. This is how we get total peace whenever the final judgment is done. He's thrown into the lake of fire. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Anyway, he brings in what is the the final end of that you know and it's like salvation we have been saved we are being saved we will be saved as far as salvation as far as the victory over satan it happened at the cross but we will see it come to its conclusion whenever he is cast into the lake of fire um, look in colossians 2 and here this would be i believe appealing to what christ did whenever he ascended into heaven after uh, he had resurrected. Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's us, when we were that, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross and here we go when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him so the victory was won there it's won at the cross he proves it he resurrects and then uh, as it's like a, there's a visible picture, it's almost like an, if, if he were ascending as he would go through the heavens, some people have said, uh, however you want to term this, but there's, uh, he's showing the victory that has been done, that's been over the, uh, the enemy, um, Satan and, and the demons. Um, and so he disarmed them. He disrobed them. Um, the victory is there. Uh, he's just going to come back and claim the title deed. He's already done it. It's a done deal. It's sealed. Isn't, um, you know, it says in the scriptures that 
Uh, he'll uh, rule them with a rod and iron. Is that is that the exact phrase? Uh, let's see. I think uh, is that in uh, Revelation it's, two? I believe it's also in one of the Psalms. Okay. But um, isn't that talking about like a shepherd's rod as opposed to like a scepter? Just the the nuance there in the Hebrew and perhaps even in the Greek when it talks about it in Revelation. As he has uh, con- uh, control. I was just wondering because I heard someone say that and I had never. I always understood it as a more of a scepter. But then I heard, I think maybe MacArthur, I guess he had done some study into the the word itself that was used and said that, it, no, it's a shepherd's rod that that it refers to. Would that be over his own people? Or? Okay. He, he, he's definitely, whatever it is, it's like, I'm, I'm not sure which text that I'm is sure in the Psalms. I'm significance, you know, to... He's in control over them. If... Let's say if it was in present day as far as Christians today. He's our shepherd, right? Right. He, he shepherds his own sheep. And, of course, he's not. he wouldn't be a shepherd of the sheep that are not his. So right. if he had that, uh, what did you say? Like a shepherd's crook? Or, yeah, rod of yeah. iron. He, he's going to, like today, he's, di- he's directing us and watching uh, over us. And if we happen to get off the path, then he's going to get well, us maybe, back on there. Well, Is that that's the sense? Of what it means then, you know, that... He'll rule the nations with a rod of iron, but referring only to the elect bought out of every nation. Yeah, he's going to make sure that he's in control, that he's ruling. And there's a kingdom There's a kingdom now that we live in that he's ruling. There is also a kingdom that is to come. And some people take the eternal state or some, you know, the the, the, the kingdom. But the you thing know, is, he's ruling. Rule Always rules. He's a rod of iron, too, isn't he? Because he's not going to, like... Uh, we were talking that one time about um, in, the, in his kingdom here on earth or something that um, there's still going to be people who are going to be doing wrong and he'll immediately squash it. So he'll just put it to... Put the, that, put the sin out, just like yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. Like when Christ comes back? Uh, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nation and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. <laughs> now that's his judgment upon... Yeah. So the rod of iron would yeah. be a judging... Yeah. Judging. Well, there's also a sense in which that the rod that a shepherd used, he would pass his sheep under mm-hmm. to inspect them. And so and that, maybe that's what it's... Well, Psalm 23... I ride my staff, they come for me. Uh, I think it's Psalm 2 that mentions the, uh, the rod of iron specifically. Psalm 2. Yeah. That would be a At any rate, what what are we getting at here? We're talking there's been a victory but there is the final completion of that to come, that we will see that as far as God is concerned. Um, it's, it's done. But in, as far as time is concerned, it, it will happen. But He definitely uh, made the dreadful blow on Satan, even though Satan at the time didn't, didn't realize all this. And He failed to see 
the just and the justifier. And people today still have the same problem. They cannot uh, understand the, the just and the justifier. He's the one that takes our place. He's the one that uh, is the sacrificial substitute as he, as he takes our place, took that punishment. And um, anyway, that uh, the power of sin and Satan um, was, was taken away. Anyway, uh, that's, that's great news as we get um, this first good news in verse 15. And we know that uh, with, with other scripture that it's pretty easy to interpret here. If you were hearing for this for the first time and you were looking at that, you'd probably go, what does this mean? You know, the, the seed of the woman and, and uh, bruising on the head and bruising on the heel. But to us Christians... Um, we can look at this verse and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing us and granting us grace here and, and that even right there off the bat. Um, yeah. the, the term that was coined to describe that, how is it pronounced exactly? Or precisely? Yeah, no, we're at... Pro, the Proto-Evangelum or is it a Proto-Evangelion? Uh, well, um, what? I've, I've heard it most of the time, Proto-Evangelium. Evangelium? Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Uh It's it's it means first good news. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Angelion, uh angel, messenger, message, mm-hmm. news, and then EU before it means good right. good news. And so in as far as the theological terminology they come up proto means the the first. Yeah. And in light of the New Testament we can come back, look at the Old Testament and say that's why that is. That's a theological process. Okay, now, when we get ready for verse 16, we saw a cursing in 15 to the serpent. And then we see how God graciously comes to Adam and Eve after the fall. He holds out hope and is going to show that there is deliverance. And it's a glorious deliverance. But that didn't mean there was not going to be consequences as a result of what has happened. Because of sin, God is holy, and God is not indifferent to sin. Now, there's one sense that there is a cursing. There's a cursing of the ground, and there's, there's uh, as far as the woman is concerned, pain and childbirth, and uh, as far as the, bearing the, you know, the children, bringing forth children, um, being underneath the... Uh, the husband's rule um, in a harsh, harsh way. So, you can say there was a cursing, but in another sense, the curse really didn't happen in the sense that there's something because of verse 15 that reverses that curse, if we want to call that. There's definitely consequences to sin. Uh, they experienced His mercy here. He held back His wrath. Uh, you know what? There's something different in this room. There's an echo in here. And I know why now. There's been some things removed today. And everybody that walks in here sees it and they go, <laughs> looks different. Do you notice? My voice sounds different in here. Okay. It's not my imagination. I just now figured that out. Yeah, the acoustics are quite different just from moving a few things. Um, anyway, God cursed Satan. God definitely curses the ground. Um, I think that we see that Adam and Eve 
are experiencing something here. Um, there are terrible effects that happen because of sin, and they participate in this curse that God has put on them in an indirect way. Uh, but still, he has even a better plan. And I think it emphasizes, of course, man's sin and, and, and the consequences, but yet at the same time as we look at this, we see the, the great God in his, in his grace, in His mercy, in His love here. We all suffer the consequences of the fall. We experience it right here today, the weakness, the dangers, the disasters, the diseases, death. I mean, it's constantly around us. We experience sadness, we experience sorrow, disappointment, disillusion, loss, heartbreak. It goes on and on, doesn't it? It just constantly goes on, even though we know we have victory. We know we have triumph. We know all those things. But those are general areas of the curse. And because of that uh, curse, uh, because of the fall of mankind, it affected everybody that has ever lived since. God pointed out some special judgments in addition. There's uh, this general hardness of life that's going to happen caused by sin. God places a a special consequence, uh, a unique judgment here on the woman and all women. A unique judgment on the man and all men. Everybody that's ever lived. We're, We're all a part of this. So in verse 16, I think I've numbered this wrong. I might have put 17 there for the woman's judgment. Sorry about that. I don't know why I did that. I was trying to move ahead quickly. Verse 16, to the woman, and this is God speaking, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. We've seen so far Satan. It starts with him. It starts with that serpent. And we've we've seen a cursing, but yet we see good news for man. Imagine uh, whenever they're hearing this judgment upon the serpent, they're wondering what's going to happen to them. But yet there is some good news here that um, the seed of the woman, uh, there's going to be people after this. He's not going to cause destruction to all of mankind, wad them up, throw them in the trash, and that's it. Or start over. But this is what he's going to use. Yes? Um, I know I'm saying a lot tonight, but, but anyway, um, there was this man, I can't remember his name, uh, but he's part of um, Sproul's Fellowship, you know, his teaching fellowship. He's an older man. I believe he's older than Sproul, but... Um, Gerstner? Maybe. It's all right, sorry. It's okay. Um, but he... He was... saying that he believes that the church began with Eve because of the message that, <coughs> that God said, you know, about the seed and everything. He believed that Eve believed on that promise and then, you know, in the Old Testament way, put hope in the coming Messiah and was saved by that faith that was given her. As in the line of God's chosen people where that, that he was going to work through, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard that before. It was kind of strange to me. And I was like, huh, you know. 
Yeah, as far as... What do you think about that? I th- just probably just taking that verse by itself, it could probably be um, uh, maybe a little bit hard to understand. But then if we know that... Uh, and, of course, just uh, uh, a couple of chapters uh, later, we'll see something develop. And um, then God has a chosen people that He works through, or, or, or a race. And then out of that is are your people who will ultimately be trusting in Christ. And all the people in the Old Testament time period were looking to this one, this Messiah. We look back right. and we're in, in that same elect group of people right. that God would have. So I can see how he could say that. I don't know who that is or exactly what his, but I think I catch the context of that. Yeah. Something... Uh, Fascinating to look at it because God's going to develop that over the course of uh, you know thousands of years. Here. But there's two different um, I think ideas here that that's developing in this uh, verse 16. It's kind of like two parts. Uh, it definitely concerns more than just childbearing, uh, as we look at it as far as Eve is concerned. Women, Eve, and then women were cursed to suffer in two relationships. One of them dealing with children and then husbands. <laughs> and uh, that kind of defines women's lives. lives uh, re- their relationships. <clears throat> it's not going to be perfect as far as their, uh, their children are concerned. It's not going to be perfect as far as their husbands are concerned. And so that's the two realms. What do you suppose Eve was thinking when he said this? I'm thinking he's going to multiply her pain in childbearing. Does that mean she had children and didn't hurt much before this? No, she didn't have children. Okay, so how's he going to multiply that? Okay, and and we're getting into that. Hang on there. That's a good one. She didn't have any children. How is this a threat? She doesn't even know what he's talking about. What do you mean I'm going to have children? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I, I don't think we see, I, as far as mention is concerned, there's nothing there, though. Well, it doesn't seem like the time. I don't think we get a good idea of what the time frame here was. Because <laughs> it seems like things are happening pretty quick. Well, uh, you know... Maybe he's just if, letting her know that when it, when it happens, then you'll know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you'll know why it's going to be that way. See, I told you. Can, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Um, didn't God tell them to be fruitful and multiply before that, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so then they knew that, you know... Yeah. But here's the deal, and we don't even know how much time elapsed from the time that he told them that till the time that this happened. Some give it as, as quick as a day. <laughs> Some, you know, we don't know. We do know that it follows. And of course, you're going to have your Hebrew construction and such, but I don't see um, it happening till after, after sin uh, in chapter 4. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. Um, and I think the logical process, I think, happens after that. And neither here nor there. I think what what you're getting at is, as far as the relationship is concerned, right, Penny? 
she's trying to develop, okay, what does this mean? Uh, you're saying like multiplying, and that's what we're going to try to work to, multiplying this childbirth. It sounds like, well, she must know what this is. And I don't think that's necessarily saying um, what we might read that as, and, and we'll try to work to it. Um, well, the problem is, is if you tell me this pain is going to be so much worse, I mean, you have to you have to compare it to something like his Okay, here's the Hebrew. Here, okay, ready? Causing to be great, I shall cause to be great your sorrow. Okay, that it's 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 a, it's a repeating of that. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's an emphasis and intensity there. Yeah, in the English, it, it might cause a little problem there, uh, and I could see how you could say, "Okay, well, she must know what it's like to already have kids," and I don't think it's he's even emphasizing that, um, and he's even saying your conception is going to be that way, and your childbirth, uh, causing to be great. I shall cause to be great your sorrow. It's just this idiom. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, amping it up. Intense. Yeah, really. So, I will greatly multiply. It's not that she's had it before. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but it means uh, we're really going to make this hard. Okay? It's going to be very intense. Uh, you'll never forget <laughs> that what happened. So, she has relationships. And what are two relationships that women relate to today? Same thing. Their children. First of all, their husbands, and then their children. And uh, you'll never see a lady that has a perfect relationship with her husband or a perfect relationship with the kids. Um, you, in, in pregnancy, you're going to have pain. Okay, one thing. You're going to have dangers. You're going to have dangers and pains of childbirth. Okay, even in the pregnancy, even in the childbirth, even before you're pregnant. You know, look what um, that, uh, I think Carolyn was even bringing it up. I'm not even going to bring that up, but, <laughs> you know, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. It never has been a lot of fun. It's hard. We have to really face it. We, we cover it up and, and hide it, but it's hard. This is part of what happened. Now, in our times, we live in a time of modern medicine. In our lifetimes, we've seen medicine come up to be able to kind of curb the effect of pain and make it do a little bit better. And even women that are in the hospital, they take certain things to keep the pain from really happening. And they still have some. some. Some ladies, you hear that they never have any pain. But I don't know if I believe that or not because of this, right? But the modern care that they have, you know, ladies are... Uh, have a lot more in our lifetime than ever in the history of mankind. And then the disappointment and the sorrow and the sadness that comes from the lives of the children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, this is part of this, this childbearing. You know, I just wanted to draw a uh, uh, kind of a spiritual comparison to, you know, how uh, I, this got me thinking about how also God opens and closes the womb and, uh, and He opens the heart of individuals 
you know, spiritually, you know, for for his for grace, you know, by grace, you know, that's kind of like a physical um, comparison to the spiritual. There, he you know makes a woman either barren or fertile, uh, makes her womb either dead or alive, makes a man either dead or alive, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but even in barrenness, you know, uh, later on in the accounts, you know, we have, and especially in the Old Testament, where uh, women as well, even in the New Testament, women will be barren at a time or have, you know, not be able to bear children and their sorrow from that is yeah. you know, so the other side. Of, That's right. It takes in a lot more than sorrowing mm-hmm. over many aspects of this. And that involves the husband, too, you know. It extends a lot further than what we think. Used to, I'd read that. Oh, that's whenever they're giving birth to a child. Uh, much more to this. That even goes to the extent that somebody like me, who could have had probably, probably could have had kids, decided not to have kids. Now I'm like, what did I do? Now I'm kind of in a state of mind, like you know, in, a, in almost sorrowful because you know. I didn't have kids, so I'm almost experiencing it in a different direction. Yeah, it uh, it affects in a wide way, doesn't it? And we're we're all a part of it. If you look at human history, all throughout the ages, we tend to just think of ourselves that lives in this little pocket of time, and of course we've had it pretty easy compared to most third world countries and look down through the annals of time and they didn't maybe for the most part have the kind of modern medicine that we have and a lot of times childbearing took women to the brink of death um today in those third world countries women go into pregnancy realizing they could die um and and not to say anything about losing the children that they have um, for those nine months carrying them. And the mortality rates uh, are incredibly high in many places all throughout the world, throughout, church, or, or throughout history of mankind. Uh, who knows how many babies have perished? It could be as many as have lived on through, or maybe even more in some accounts where women have uh, have given birth or they didn't make it through birth. You can imagine all the um, different things that can happen in that. So look at, look at the uh, catastrophe and what God is saying whenever he's saying uh, this being, in that sense, multiplying. It's, there's so many things that can happen. Uh, women live with suffering and sorrow in great measure. And most of the suffering today in our, our world... Um, where the medicine has reached its pinnacle, there's still sorrow, still suffering. And uh, we see the total struggle. Uh, children fall into sin. They disappoint us. So it's it's rearing children all the way up to the, the time that they're adults. And even after that, they disappoint um, all of us, but especially the, the women. They're their mothers. The difficulties, the dangers that uh, that it is to 
to be a woman, carrying a, a baby for nine months and then having to release that child into the world after that child has, has grown up with all the hostilities that's out in the world. It sounds like I'm bringing forth bad news, doesn't it? The threats, the dangers that are out there. Yeah, I can relate to this. Now we, we've got our kids out of the house fully. And I'm not rejoicing totally over that. You think, but what, what about the mother? You know, they experience things, you know, that I never thought of it when all of the kids, let's say a penny, five boys, and when they were finally all out of there. What, what kind of things went through your mind? Oh, you, you prayed all the time, I'm sure, for their welfare. Were you worried about them? <laughs> People don't think about that, though, until they really go through it at the time that you, you kind of but boy when you experience it you go look what they're running into out there my, my oldest is 39 years old and I still worry about it <laughs> and the young mom part of the curse going, wow is that going to be like yeah. <laughs> wait until the kids are out of the house yeah and that sinner that all of them all those kids they're sinners and they have wicked evil hearts and people can say how can you say that about that little baby <laughs> Well, that's the way they're born. You know, we're to train them. And we're to do the Deuteronomy thing. We're to train them upright, right, and all that. But they can be very destructive. They're there to entertain themselves. It's all about them. They're very selfish. And uh, so, you know, think about all the injuries that could happen to these kids and the, the sicknesses, the plagues that can come along. And then rebellion. All the rebellion that happens during the teenage years. And then the child moves away and grieves the mother. And the more children she has, the worse it becomes. I'm giving bad news after I gave good news. Is this reality? Is this truth? She's had as many children as the Lord would have her to conceive. They're actually born. matter of fact, He really... um, let it happen that they could have many conceptions. I'll greatly multiply, even in the conceptions. I'm going to let it happen. And there are some uh, ladies that have 10, 12, 15, 20 children. And matter of fact, if you look in some of the African countries or other third world countries, and you'll see it, you, you've seen it before, where the flies are around and you know they're flying all over the place and landing on their nose and on the ears, and they have these kids all around them. They're theirs, and they're pregnant, and the kids look, you know, they're bloated out, haven't been able to eat in days, and the best they can do is is uh, grab some um, dirt, roll it into some contaminated water and then make a mud pie, and then eat it? This is the kind of thing that's going on. All, all you see, you see these bones sticking out, and they're bloated, and there's a mother having more kids, you know, having more kids. Does she want to have more kids? Well, probably not, and that's part of the curse when you look over here, uh, when we see, uh, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you because of their sex, Starved nature, they will want to continue to make that on. Anyway, uh, it's hard. The, the nursing, the nurturing, carrying this load, and this is multiplied. Oh boy. All of you. What's that? Diapers. 
Diapers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forget about all that stuff. Oh, the cost of that. And then who gets to do it? Yeah. Having gone through all that, which is definitely the point, but if you look at, I think if you think about bigger, big picture, if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, life for them, revealed life for them at that point is working in the ground, yep. being married, like Eve being his helpmate, working the ground, and procreating. That's life, right? All, all that's revealed. And that's a good thing. That's good, but, and then the curse <laughs> is all three of those things. The curse is like the sum yeah. of revealed life at that point. And so as terrible as childbirth is, you know, it's like you don't want to just zoom in and then miss that. Really, he's saying as bad as childbirth is, that's just life now, right? It's just yeah. your whole life, not just your relationship with your husband and childbearing, but what life was, the way I created life for you, the sum of it being relations and childbearing and being fruitful was like, is now as bad as everything you just described. <laughs> it's almost like the created order, I, this has been helpful for me to think about, that the, that the created order was, in Genesis 1 and 2, helping us fulfill the, the purposes of God, and now as of Genesis 3, it's like, it's, an, it's our enemy. Yeah. It's like, child childbearing is working against us in some way. Like the ground yeah. used to want us to plant in for the glory of God. Now it's like here storms and thistles instead. You know, it's hard. It's like this So what what I'm saying is I just for me as you're going through all that I'm thinking that's all of life, really. Not just childbearing. It's like that's yeah. whole, that's our whole relationship to the world that God has given us now mm-hmm. in post fall is exactly. thorns and thistles and childbearing and even in the church where it's the should be the most peaceful and it and almost always is but at the same time there's there's sti- we're we're still sinners you know but we're saved by grace you know there's the balance but at the same time look what god had planned and it's such a perfect way and yet this comes in. It's amazing, though, that we can still... He he still... Can you say salvaged relationships? That beautiful thing that he had originally is still here, but it's so tainted. And it's hard to see what he really had in mind unless you see through Christ and what ultimately it will be. And so... And there is a good thing about all these, and so we can turn it in. The, the curse, in the sense, and all this can be reversed when you're a Christian. At least you can, your worldview, your whole Christian view has changed. But boy, I'll tell you what. When you look at the reality of this and you go, boy, it, it is hard. And here's where it all started. And God wasn't kidding when He said this. There isn't anybody who's not affected. Boy, did it make a taint, didn't it? I'm going to cause you to experience serious pain in the matter of your conceptions, your pregnancies, your children, your relationship with your husband, your and as Ryan said, your relationship with the people at work, your relationship at, at church. I'm going to make it affect you everywhere you're at. It's your whole life. <laughs> wow. So it's not just 
that little baby being born and that pain they go through. And I think that's what most people think, and that's what I thought for a long time. But it takes in all of this. And man, if there were feminists in here, I don't. Maybe some of this they'd agree with. <laughs> I don't know. But a feminist in the world that we live in, and of course, you know, they can damn men, and they do, you know, and they call men abusers and uh, inhibitors of, of men, and they disdain marriage, and they they celebrate childlessness, and and they advocate lesbianism and and assault on men, you know. Uh, but, you know, they've seen what, what sin does. They don't understand where this is coming from. When you know where it's coming from, and you know the answer and the solution, isn't it a lot better to go through in this world and knowing we have hope? And we already had the promise before this came upon uh, uh, woman and man. Uh, danger, pain of childbirth. Amazing that women can, t- can continually be naturally drawn to want to have men in their life or a man in their life <laughs> and to have children in their life. <laughs> Isn't it? Why do they want a guy and you're like, hairy, smelly, nasty. Really? Why? There's a reason we're the ones that chase Hey, now, wait a minute. There's some women like that, too. Well, you know why? Because God made it that way. He made it, of course, when sin comes into play, then, um, but they're necessarily drawn to men and husbands and to the children and fulfillment, and they want them to have joy usually. And if they don't kill them, we hear about those kind of things, though. But um, God made them that way. There's going to be trouble in, in everything having to do with uh, to do with children. Lifelong children cause. Um, the problems that, that are caused to parents. I'd like to go to the New Testament just for a moment, though, and, and make sure we, we keep getting a little bit of a balance. But you probably think, man, all he's doing is giving a really bad look on all this. Uh, I, 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 we have the answers to what, what has happened to the world and life. Titus 2, verse 4, speaking about uh, women here, older women, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Well, they probably do, but they need to be encouraged to really do that in, in an, uh, a godly kind of love. And he says to encourage them to do that. That's what Christians can do now. We have, this, we have the power now to love the, the spouse in a way that the unbelieving world can't. But there, there's, but there's a love that they have. But yet, now as Christians, we can enjoy this much better, almost reversing that curse, really. Verse 5, to be sensible, pure, look at this, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Why? So that the Word of God will not be dishonored. It's a beautiful relationship when it's done the way that God intended to back in the first place 
and now it's like things can be reversed when we're in Christ. Those things are still going to be here, the hard facts of the physical reality. But spiritually here, we can uh, turn the tide here, and there can be a submission that God had in mind, and a love that the husband would have. We think of Ephesians 5 and such. But all this is about God being honored. Here's the way it's supposed to work. We look out in our world today, and it's not working. It's not working out in the, um, the secular world. And it's not even working in the Christian realm if they're not taking God seriously and honoring Him. Um, but there, I think that's interesting. Uh, the older women encourage the younger one to be sensible, to be pure, to work at home. They don't have to go out and work all the time and other jobs and such. It's good to be workers at home. Here's how this can work, and, and you can uh, you can um, help your husband be a help me in whatever way that can be in a lot of ways. Um, but anyway, it speaks of the submission in the right way. Look in First Timothy two fifteen. With the the Spirit of God, as Ephesians five it says, be filled with the Spirit, not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then tells right on down the line. Here's uh, here's what you do. You be filled with the Spirit, and as a result, here are the things that can happen in church. And then uh, here's the things that can happen at home as far as the wife and the husband, the husband and wife, and the parents and the kids, and the kids and the parents, and then even to the job. And that's what Ryan was relating to. This is the whole lifestyle here, how we relate to each other. And if you have the Christian ideals, attitudes, the Spirit-filled person who's led by God's Spirit and the Word, we can do these things. It's amazing what can happen. 1 Timothy 2, verse 15. But women will be preserved. Here's the positive aspect. Even with this physical bad news that we were given, through the bearing of children, makes you think of Genesis, doesn't it? If they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Women... uh, yeah, there is the the curse there that is put on this childbearing and you know even raising them and such. But look at the opportunity that you have being a mother. You have more impact than anybody else in the world in their formative years to know who God is as far as faith is concerned, true love, sanctity. Self-restraint, as he uses those terms, he says, look at the ministry you have. You have the best opportunity with your children nobody else has. Now, he's not guaranteeing that uh, you know this is going to turn out the best way, but what does he have here? You're, you're saved in this sense. He's saying you're not saved. You, you become saved because you're going to bear children. You know, some people take this verse out of context and say, well, if women have children, then they'll be saved. <laughs> it doesn't mean that at all. But here is the good thing about the bearing the children. Look, you can help lead them to the Lord or at least give them the things of God and, and He's going to do what He's going to do. But look at the great precious memories you're going to have all throughout this with having your kids. and everything. Look, at you train them up. You train them up right. God's going to do His work. But that's a good thing, isn't it? So there, there is the, the backside of all that bad news. It's kind of a deliverance from the curse. Women, uh, if they have children and such, uh, uh, a godly woman, her life is going to be marked by faith and sincere love and she's
he's going to be sanctified and being made holy and the purity is going to be there and the restraint, the self-control is going to be seen. And this marks her as a godly woman and uh, she can teach in a godly way the, the children. Multiplication of conception. That's kind of interesting. Conception. And that's what we were talking about earlier in all these uh, third world countries where they have so many children and they have no way to to feed them, to uh, financially take care of them. But yet, God is God. God is the one who gives them life anyway. Um, but they become pregnant very soon, immediately. One after another, after another, after another. And most, or a lot of children die. Then the mothers live with the suffering and the sorrow, their own fear of death, the fear of death of their children. And so can, can you see how that multiplication comes into play here, if we want to use that word? Or him bringing on this aspect. Here's what's going to happen. Eve, this is what happened. Here's what you caused. This is going to come on all of womankind. I'll sum this up. Conception can become more frequent. Births can become more painful. Children become a source of pain, suffering, sorrow, disappointment. So the woman then is initially punished in the most intimate way in the point of her divinely designed role as a mother. <laughs> and every but, child that, that, she, that she brings into the world is a sinner. That's right. That's the worst part, isn't it? So she's got to look for that, that one who will come and uh, redeem. Bob, I think that's really vital. That's important. If every mother knew that they're bearing a sinner. They look so innocent. They're a sinner even before they're born, before they come out of the womb, as David said in Psalm 51. If we would recognize that and say, okay, I have a job to do. I'll do the best that I can with the Word of God and raise them up. I'll leave the rest to the Lord as far as salvation is concerned, but I'll do what He says for me to do. I'll take His promises. I'll pray for them. But I have to realize that these are sinners and they're, they have to be broken in all of these different areas. We have to recognize what they're going to do. They're going to try to trick you in every different way that they possibly can if, if you're going to you know, you have children. But it's a good thing. You know, we get to see how the love of God works and the grace of God. We, you know, we get to practice the things that He does on us. There's so many lessons that we can learn out of. It's a great thing. If I brought this news out, and you guys know how I'm operating here, I bring out as, as try, I'm trying to show as bad as it can be because of this sin. To show how serious it is. And, and Bob summed it up by saying, yeah, going to bring sinners into the world. And we recognize that. I can say, okay. They need to know Christ because it's only Him that's going to bring them the grace. And uh, how else can they be changed? They're going to continue to be sinners and go right on into hell if they don't have the grace of God and, and it must be preached to them. I don't think these children really appreciate you talking about I'm going to make some of them mad here. <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
And no offense intended, but uh, that's what we all are. That's that's the way we were born. That's the way it is. And it, you know, it's that. Uh, I think it's a great reminder. That's hey, we uh, we have to be shaped by God's word. That's the ultimate, isn't it? It's only God's word and Him that's going to to shape us. Oh, well, uh, that's the relationship uh, to her children. We didn't even get into the relationship to her husband. And that's still in verse 16, and it's already after 8 o'clock. So we saw one relationship. (laughs) Nothing new there tonight, was there? You guys are awful quiet. You guys going to jump on me or what? I really had intended. See that? Really? I really did. Ryan, you know what I'm talking about? I really intended that. The world is caused with good intentions. The intentions don't mean anything, do they? Oh, my. Thank you guys for um, putting up with uh, with that. But um, and, and all the while, while I'm doing this, here's Zach over here. Already, he has two kids. He's saying, what, what's he doing? Condemning childbirth? Is he going around saying we shouldn't have kids? No. We should be fruitful and multiply. And it's good to have a lot of kids. It is. You'd never trade it. Even with five boys, you'd never trade it, would you, Penny? Never. Have you had a lot of heartache? You betcha. Once I get all my pencils fixed. <laughs> Raise those boys so they can fix fences and all that stuff. Yeah, I had a lot of good plans. That didn't work out.